What's Good Friends List episode 96 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. There's no denying that Halo Infinite is now Microsoft's marquee game set to release this year, for now the second year in a row. One of the biggest changes coming to the franchise is its return to PC as one of the two primary platforms, and now we finally have confirmation that the game will in fact support both cross-play and cross-progression between both PC and console at launch. So, this week, we examine what this means to the franchise moving forward, specifically from a support standpoint. Will this help solve the issues when it comes to keeping a thriving player base within the Halo community? Does this potentially hurt the upside of a competitive scene for the franchise? Also, Epic and Apple are back at it again, this time with Xbox game streaming. Resident Evil Village's upcoming demo gets an extension and much, much more. Coming up on the newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. recording all right and three two welcome back to another episode of the game pass game cast your weekly go-to podcast for all things xbox xbox game pass and pc gaming including news rumors and conversation around them damn good video games you can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every friday morning on youtube apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and all other major podcast services so be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz I tell you every week wherever you get a podcast at, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, aka Travelus, on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike Peepack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And catch me up in the world of video games for Mike Peepack. What's good? The video games. Um, so for me, um, my life has not really changed much recently, which is kind of a welcomed thing because it feels like my life has just been crazy since <laughs> moving here. But um, my video game. So I actually have something new uh, for once, for once in, in forever. I've been playing a lot of Halo 2 Project Cartographer, getting into MLG games on that. So that's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. But the game that's the biggest thing... Or the biggest difference for me is I've been playing some MLB The Show 21 um, on guy. Game Pass. On Game Pass, so I hooked up my Xbox for the first time since I moved here, which has been months. <laughs> and um, I was going through the catalog on Game Pass, and Jesus Christ, there is a shit ton of yeah content on there. But the game I've been enjoying the most is MLB The Show. So as we talked about before on this show, it's something that like the sport of baseball is so near and dear to my heart. And I'm just excited to be able to actually play some video games on Xbox that is a, a baseball game. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the thing I've been in, uh, playing the most, I haven't really played a, a real game um, in like a franchise mode. I've just been doing Road to the Show, mm -hmm. which is pretty much your be a pro, your run of the mill game like that. And um, overall, I've just been enjoying it a lot. Um, you know, setting up a, a player that you can play the position that you want to play and kind of playing through it's a way to streamline the game and it's also a way that you can enjoy the game however you'd like to enjoy it so mm -hmm. if you want to play outfield if you want to play infield if you want to pitch if you want to catch like whatever you want to do mm -hmm. that's all well and good um you know but we've been able to or i've been able to enjoy just kind of i think right now i just have a short stop uh and uh you know at the beginning they kind of have you pitching and playing in the field so it's kind of interesting and it's it's been a lot of fun thus far um, I've only been playing it for about a day or so, so it's not like I've been putting, it's not like I've played it a ton, mm -hmm. but for the time that I have been enjoying it, I'm just, uh, genuinely enjoying how well the game is put together because the last game I would have played is like an MLB 2K game that was really glitchy oh, and yeah. I haven't played baseball in probably seven or eight years. I would guess something like that. However long it's been since Xbox has had a baseball game mm -hmm. and I've been enjoying it. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been really enjoying MLB The Show and Game Pass, Xbox or Microsoft Game Pass, proving once again just how much value there really is to be had if you want to play uh, Game Pass or if you want to enjoy it. 
Mm -hmm. um, there's just so much value there, and it's still insane to me, you know, how just how much there is for for you to play on there. If it's a subscription, if it's a service that you subscribe to currently, mm -hmm. and even not currently, if if you're on the fence about it, there's just so much to play. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah, uh, you nailed the uh, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, really, it's. And, you know, obviously that's kind of a, you know, reason why we're, you know, playing or not playing, but like we're doing, I don't know why I said playing, why we're doing this show, you know, was a big reason of not only Xbox, but, you know, kind of highlighting, hey, Game Pass is such a huge, you know, there's such a huge hole in the market for, or I should say burgeoning, like, you know, hole that could be there uh, in the market that could be filled. Um, and it seemed like Game Pass was really starting to catch on with that. And that was just one of the reasons why we started the show. And somebody like me who, you know, uses Game Pass pretty damn regularly, it's, it's you know, always going to be one of those in-the-back-pocket kind of things of, you know, oh, I got to check something out. You know, I, I haven't played something. You know, I want to play something new. I'm going to jump on and check it out. And even now, like... I got a new laptop. I mean, I have my gaming rig and stuff like that, but I bought a new laptop uh, for some editing on the go. And, um, you know, it has like a dedicated GPU in it and stuff. It has, it's the Razer Blade uh, 15 Advanced model. Oh, um, nice. So it's pretty dope. I like it so far. Um, haven't haven't really put it too much to the test, but uh, just because I play most of my PC stuff on here, but um, on my gaming rig, but... I did install, you know, I like I do with pretty much every PC I have, you know, you go through the gambit of installing all of your go-tos, especially if you game, you know, Steam, uh, Battle.net, uh, and then in this case, uh, Epic Games, Ubisoft, all that stuff, you know, make sure you have on Discord, but I always make sure I have the Xbox app on there, um, and just going through, like, oh, what are some games I just want to download, you know, and especially right now, I'm trying to find some you know, different indie games to play. Uh, I want to go back and visit uh, Night Call again, where you uh, play is basically like, it's like a text adventure almost in a way um, where you try to, you have, con you're a cabbie and you try to have conversations with people to uncover this mystery that's going on. You know, it's things like that. So like Game Pass to me is that everlasting gobstopper. You can just find whatever in there. So um, I, d I have yet to check out though the show and I might actually do that tonight at some point or definitely this weekend but um normally i mean it, i haven't played a show game since 16 i want to say was the last one i bought um i rarely buy sports games anymore um just because they're not very iter iterative if i could speak um you know it, it just feels very you know same-ish so mm -hmm. you know i've kind of felt like yeah you know, there's not justification in there money-wise but um the show is a game, you know, it's usually the show and um, NHL are the two sports games that I do buy. Um, so having this on Xbox now, and even though I do have a PS5 as well, like getting the place on my Series X day one on Game Pass and everything like that, like that's a no brainer. Like, of course, I'm going to play, play it on Xbox just because I could easily access it on Xbox. Um, so to me, that's, you know, I'm going to get on that probably tonight or tomorrow or something like that just to check it out because i am a fan of the show you know whenever it was on strictly playstation consoles so um. i don't know if you if you noticed either but i think as far as i could see they put nhl i don't remember if you bought it but they put nhl on there too yeah in like the new like nhl 21 i mean i guess it, it came out in october so it's a few months old now but they mm -hmm. still don't have the new new well i guess they have madden 21 too so yeah EA has put both of those. I know EA can. I know the EA um the EA streaming play, service. Yeah, yeah. I know it's on there, but yeah, yeah. So it's it's you get all of that, and that's even some of the stuff I was looking at, even on the PC Game Pass app. And like I use it on the on Xbox, obviously for the most part, first and foremost. But um, you know, even just pulling it up here now, you know, you go into EA Play, and I installed Jedi Fallen Order, especially. I got a new 1440p monitor and I wanted to try that out, like just to see how that looked. Um, and, you know, they have the wide gambit of everything on here. I mean, you got squadrons that, uh, you know, game that didn't necessarily click with me the way I thought it would still a fantastic game. Nonetheless, um, Madden 21, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefield 2 uh, or Battlefront 2. I'm sorry. Uh, Battlefield 5. Titanfall's on there, you know, it, it has, they have it, like this huge, huge list of just so many popular games, plus you get the game trials, which I'm not 
too big of a fan of personally, but it is what it is. It's better than nothing, I guess. But like FIFA 21, you can play up to 10 hours on there included, which, you know, I personally am more in the camp of, eh, you probably should just include it, but it is what it is. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Xbox Game Pass Xbox Game Pass app or the Xbox app, whatever you want to call it, uh, is just becoming one of those go-to things now that I add on my PC as well. Just because it's, why not? It, I can just scroll through there and find something at least I'm going to like. Um, so yeah, but I'm totally in the camp of you. But I haven't gotten to play MLB 21 yet. I do want to get to play that. Um, I've kind of been in a kind of a lighter gaming mood. I've surprisingly been watching more movies than games recently, um, which yeah. is usually favored the opposite for sure. Um but uh, a few things I have been playing, though, I have, like I said, I've jumped in, tried a couple different games on my new monitor just to see how it looks and performs and whatnot. But getting back into Hunt, obviously, you, Adam, and I jumping back into that last night, playing some MCC, um, you know, obviously, that's kind of always a staple in the rotation of games that I'm playing, you guys are playing, um, you know, not necessarily a whole bunch new, it's kind of the same for me, um, but the one thing I did get to, uh, I did get to play that I was gonna, I could just talk about it now. I guess I was gonna say I was gonna talk about it maybe after button mash, but I might as well get into it now. Um, but I did get to play, and granted, I know I usually say this. This is an Xbox podcast, and I'm about to talk about playing something on a PlayStation, but that's just because it was the only place I could play it. So I did get to play the Castle demo uh, for Resident Evil Village on the, the exclusive one for PS5. Uh, mm-hmm. they, everyone will get to play uh, this weekend coming up, but did get to play that over the weekend. And man, let me tell you, whew. Ah, yeah, yeah, that game is going to be fucking fantastic. I mean, it I like is, yeah, it is absolutely unbelievably one. The one thing that stood out to me, and especially because it's, I, I feel we're going to see very, 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 very similar performance on xbox so i am i feel very safe in saying this even though you know the ps5 does have a really good custom-made ssd to me though like i i feel like we're going to see a very very similar um performance out of it but the load times are just stupid no grand demo a lot smaller of a footprint and whatnot but you're still loading a ton of ton 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 of really high fidelity assets into that ga- into that game. So like to see the load times be almost non-existent for the most part, like shockingly good that that gives me faith for the demo moving forward really. Uh or the full game I should say after playing the demo. Um it really did kind of mirror the Maiden demo that they released right after the first Resident Evil showcase. Um that you know really it, it it didn't there were there were a few changes with it obviously but you got to kind of explore the castle in a reverse order and not the whole castle but the small portion of it you do get to experience you did get to see it kind of in reverse order where instead of starting in the dungeon you're starting pretty much walking into the castle and you're exploring that for the first time um got major resident evil one vibes out of it um which is fantastic Got some major RE4 vibes out of it, too, with some of the action and different things like that. Um, that I really dug. And I think it's a good mesh of old-school Resident Evil and these fan classic or these fan favorites and these classics from these staples within the series, plus the new iteration of Resident Evil. And we kind of talked about that, I think it was last week or the week before, that, you know, to me, that's really what I want out of Resident Evil. And I think that's what makes a lot of really 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 good franchises great um being able to evolve being able to you know take the formula and say no we got to find out what makes this great game great but also we shouldn't rest on our laurels what makes this series so great that people love it um and with resident evil it is the action it is the immersiveness it is that feeling of you know you kind of are helpless in some situations. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think a lot of people, it started feeling flat a little bit with Resident Evil 5 and 6 and on. Um, You know, and 5 was great for what it was, but it was an action game. And that's what I think a lot of people, it was great for what it was, but it wasn't necessarily a Resident Evil game. Almost like, like Halo 5. 
Halo 5's combat and playing that game and whatnot, like, it's a great first-person shooter. It's just not a Halo game. Like, it's not a great Halo game. That's not right. what you want out of it. So, you know, um, playing Resident Evil 8 and feeling that, you know, it feels like a Resident Evil game, first and foremost. You feel like, and that's what makes 7 so great, where it was it was taking all those things that you loved and evolving it, bringing, it, bringing the modernization with it, the, you know, a little bit, you know, different movement style to it it was different uh obviously going first person which you saw so many successful horror franchises go first person we're talking you know amnesia we're talking outlast you know these games that are became like staples in the twitch community and stuff like that that it's like or the streaming community that it's like man we need to evolve resident evil to this because we see what horror is, how horror is being done so well in this, um, and especially survival horror too. Um, so to me, it's it continues. Resident Evil Eight continues to check off all the boxes I want with it. With each demo that passes um, this weekend, like I said, you'll get to. There's an update with uh, with uh, Button Mash that will kind of get you guys caught up with that they actually extended the demo. Um, for this weekend that you actually have pretty much a whole week to play it which is good because before it was like going to only be 24 hours you get to play this demo uh and even the past two demos you only got eight hours to play them and they're like a half hour a piece so you're going to actually get to play the full 60 minutes of this demo over a week's time if you want so really cool stuff uh but i'll catch you up on that and speaking of that then like we might as well just roll right into button mash with the show so if you knew the but if you knew the show, button mash is where we catch you up on some quick hit news articles before we get started into our big topics for the week. And this week, kind of, I don't want to say hit or miss, but more so, there's a few heavy hitters, you know, sprinkled in there. But I, uh, you know, obviously we have a couple big news articles to go over, but kind of a little bit lighter news week. But let's get you started with button mash. Starting with Outer Wilds, not Outer Worlds. Don't get it confused. 2019 is calling again. <laughs> the magnificent time looping adventure game could be getting DLC titled Echoes of the Eye if a Steam database entry is anything to go by. As pointed out by Simon Careless on Twitter, SteamDB has scrapped an entry for Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye, which is listed with Outer Wilds as a, quote, parent entry. That points to uh, that points to being DLC or an expansion rather than a full sequel. The entry was last updated today, April 29th, meaning there's a chance that we'll see a formal reveal soon. Although not a formal confirmation, both publishers, publisher Annapurna Interactive and developer Mobius Digital have playfully responded to Careless's tweet, kind of acknowledging it, which is always good. E3 has revealed the trio of games industry personalities will host this year's E3 2021 virtual event. And that's right, E3 is actually happening this year. And guess what? I keep forgetting to fucking talk about it on the docket each week <laughs> because that's how low it's kind of flying under the radar this year. So yes, E3 is back. ESA did bring that back. Uh, but yeah, let's catch up on it. The trio features two IGN vet veterans, kind of funny co-founder Greg Miller and Emmy-nominated host Jackie Jing. They are joined by esports commentator Alex Goldenboy Mendez. All three will be sharing hosting duties of E3 2021, which takes place over four days from June 12th to June 15th. The host will provide in-depth commentary on the events of the show, as well as taking part in publisher and developer interviews across all four days. E3 2021 will take place from uh, Saturday, June 12th to Tuesday, June 15th, as an all-digital event for the very first time. You'll be able to watch it on IGN as part of our, or like I said, pull this from IGN. You'll be able to watch it on IGN as part of their Summer of Gaming event. The ESA detailed its plans for E3 2021 earlier this month, knowing that publishers such as Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, and Take-Two Interactive would be taking part in the show. You can check out the full list of game publishers confirmed over on the uh, to the showcase at E3 2021's website. Major companies missing from the list at present include Sony, EA, and Square Enix. But we know that Square Enix will be doing another showcase. EA, I'm sure, will be doing their, uh, you know, briefing that they usually do. I think it's EA Play as well that they do. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's called. Uh, and yeah. then Sony, I'm sure, will be doing their state of play and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Caught you up a little bit on E3. 
um, that I keep totally forgetting to catch everyone up with every week because it keeps flying under the radar. Uh, anyways, moving on. Capcom has delayed Resident Evil RE-verse, the multiplayer game originally set to launch on, alongside Resident Evil Village. An update to the Resident Evil Reverse website explains that Reverse will launch, quote, summer 2021. Had things stayed on schedule, it would have been available May 7th, the same date as Resident Evil Village. Following fan outcry over the eight-hour window of the PS5's Resident Evil Village demos, like I said, here's where we catch up on this, Capcom has extended the final multi-platform demo by a week. Instead of lasting for only 24 hours, Resident Evil's Twitter revealed that the new extended final demo will run from May 1st at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. British Standard Time, uh, on the 2nd, technically, I guess, to May 9th at 5 p.m., Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. British Standard Time, technically the 10th. The final demo for Resident Evil Village will still only let players play a total 60 minutes between the Village demo and Castle demo, which were separated by a week for PS5 players in their exclusive first demos. Respawn, the studio behind Apex Legends, Titanfall, and Jedi Fallen Order, is working on building a new franchise from scratch. This comes uh, this comes by the way of Vince Zampella, the head of Respawn Entertainment, who quote tweeted a tweet announcing that a small team at Respawn was hiring for a new intellectual property. The team is currently made up of uh, five individuals, but it's looking to hire a coder to make it six. And finally, Mike, Call of Duty Warzone saw a major map refresh last week, and developer Raven said it will never go back to its original map for dance. Despite uh, being the same fundamental part of the game's world, introducing Verdance in 84 changes, uh, changes a lot of what we know about the Warzone map, and that's seemingly, permanent, that's seemingly a permanent change. Associate Creative Director Amos Hodge used a studio broadcast to say, quote, Players don't know it, but current day Verdance, they'll never play in that state again. Current day Verdance is gone, and it's hot coming back, end quote. So, Mike, after running through Button Mash, anything you want to run back before we get into our big topics for this week? Um, obviously, you know, as you said, we've been kind of letting E3 run underneath the radar and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. I feel like there has been quite a bit of news, um, you know, for the show recently, but I do want to say that it's a pretty big deal. Some of the personalities that they have bring, bring this to us. Um, golden boy, especially has been someone who like mm-hmm. Xbox players should be excited about getting some more exposure because he's one of the guys that have been, you know, commentating on halo esports since, you know, we were playing halo two anniversary competitive, which was a while ago. So that guy's been pretty intertwined with esports, and he's been a guy that's been very integral in commentating on halo. So pretty cool. Um, that that's pretty cool. Obviously Capcom making the decision to extend the demo, of Resident Evil 8 is is pretty awesome also. Um, and outside of that, I haven't checked out the new Warzone map personally. Mm-hmm. I have watched some people play it on Twitch. And it does look pretty interesting. So it might be a game that I reinstall and pick up and uh, actually pick up some Warzone um, you know, sometime here pretty soon. I could see, you know, that happening. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And and even I was thinking the other day of when I was kind of testing through all the games on my new monitor, I was like Maybe that's one that I just give a run with real quick, just to see, mm-hmm. how, you know. But um, I did not, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, realistically, with E three, it wasn't necessarily the host that I wanted to bring up. It was more so, like you said, we've just had other stuff kind of going on in the show that I was like, to be honest, and we've known for a while, publishers for the most part are going rogue. They're doing their mm-hmm. own thing. They're, you know, they have different showcases that they're wanting to promote by themselves and whatnot. So, you know, it's, it, it, it just kind of is one of those things that fell through the cracks because realistically, like we kind of mentioned earlier, you know, briefly at one point, a couple episodes ago that I just don't see this being really the year like E3, I think of the past is gone for the most part. Like I, it's going to come back and, in a actual physical form, you know, as a physical event that you can go to the following year. It sounds like next year they're going to go back to normal, not back to normal, but back to holding an actual event. To me, though, like, I mean, realistically, COVID's pretty much changed everything anymore. Um, you know, the degree of normalcy we will see, you know, who the hell knows anymore um, in good, bad and different, whatever. But more so for the fact of, you know, if we 
if we are if they are doing a show or if they are doing E3 next year, realistically, now publishers know and hardware manufacturers know, hey, we already have pretty much like we already have it good to go. Like we're doing our own thing. Like we're good. You know, why would we use why would we feel like we need to go to your platform to do our announcements when and potentially get lost in the shuffle with everyone else when we could be doing you know, our own thing and pretty much owning that news day, um, you know, and being owning the message that comes out compared to our message and six others. So it'll be interesting. And I'm also curious to, I am actually curious to see, you know, with that, what is announced because kind of going in tandem with that, if they're going to be announced, you know, if they're still going to be having their own press conferences and things like that, like I fully expect Microsoft to, yeah, they're going to have their E3 press conference, it's not going to be as big as before. I think it's going to be maybe, you know, you'll get some B-tier B announcements and things like that at the height where I think Microsoft now knows, hey, we can do our own Xbox game showcase and we can just fucking announce like, hey, here's the new Forza. Here's the new whatever. Like, here's our new IP. Here's what we're going to, here's your first look at Fable. Here's this and that. Like, I feel like that's where we're going to see that because they can own that message. So, I'm really curious to see kind of how that plays out and what, you know, what is announced where and whatnot. Um, but I fully don't see, I mean, I really don't see it being to that level. Or maybe we'll see more of a, you know, hey, this is an Xbox Game Pass showcase. We're going to go over new games coming to Game Pass soon and this and that. And there's going to be some surprises coming in there and things like that. The bigger announcements on that end or new games that are debuting on Game Pass, something like that, where I see E3 when it does come back to normal being more like a PAX, being more like a fan centered, truly fan centered event where all we know is that, you know, that's all we know. Um, so it's really going to be interesting and it's really, really, really going to be just a unique situation that the ESA is in. And I'm really curious to see how they respond to it and what that first physical event looks like. Um, and even this year, just how it kind of all plays out with individual events like Ubisoft Forward and whatnot. So it'll be cool to see. But I digress. Mike, let's head into our big topics for this week. Speaking of Xbox games, game studios, or whatever you want to call it, the biggest of them all, Halo Infinite. Shocker, back in the news again. I feel like we talk about it probably once a week anymore on the show, but, you know, it, it is hands down the biggest game that is coming out, bar none, in Microsoft's portfolio right now. I mean, it is. Um, so we finally got big confirmation, though, not only about, you know, some of the PC elements that are coming with the release of that, because PC was another big thing that was mentioned, hey, we're going to be you know, this is going to be the first Halo that launches alongside its console companion. You know, the PC port is launching alongside the console version of the game. Like, it's two-in-one. So, you know, that was a big deal. We got to learn some new details about that this week. But more importantly, their Halo Infinite out of the box is going to support cross-play and cross-progression between console and PC. So Xbox Series X slash S and Xbox One and PC all going to be able to play together. So Joe Scrabbles has the write up over on IGN that I pulled from that I think was really good to catch you up. As always, link in the description. Microsoft has announced that Halo Infinite will support multiplayer cross play and cross progression across PC on the Microsoft Store and Steam, Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S. Announced on Xbox Wire, the move is being pitched by Microsoft as a way of, quote, building communities around games, not devices. And we will see customization and game progress follow you across all platforms, as well as let you play with anyone on any available platform. As previously confirmed, multiplayer for Halo Infinite will be free to play. Microsoft also revealed that the game will come with some popular PC features, including ultra-wide, super ultra-wide screen support, uh, triple keybinds, advanced graphic options, and more. It's another move from Microsoft that shows its interest in getting Xbox games onto multiple devices, with Phil Spencer recently going so far as to say console tribalism is, quote, one of the worst things about the video game industry. Developer 343 Industries is clearly taking a cross-platform version of Halo Infinite seriously, with an engineer recently explaining how the game is being optimized for multiple platforms. After a major delay, Halo Infinite has been looking much better in recent shots and is set for a fall 2021 release. So... 
like I was saying, Halo Infinite really is clearly the biggest launch for Microsoft this year. I mean, hell, and probably, you know, a few, really a few years back now, this is probably Microsoft's biggest software launch in at least three, four years, something like that. I mean, it is really, this is the biggest game they're going to see for a while until, you know, the Perfect Dark's Fable, stuff like that, start rolling out, uh, Avowed, things like that, and obviously all the Bethesda stuff now too, but I digress. It's been clear, though, that they've been taking not only the feedback since the delay in both Microsoft and 343, but feedback from the community and those who regularly play, you know, in the FPS genre as well. And I think we've kind of figured we would see support like this for P the PC version, obviously, with some of the bells and whistles, you know, advanced graphic op options, ultra-wide support, stuff like that. It's very common that you're going to see within PC gaming. Um, mm -hmm. But having cross-play and cross-progression for the game off the rip is really pretty big to see, especially when it comes to, you know, talking about the game as a whole being a platform, almost like really taking almost the Fortnite approach where, you know, Fortnite's a platform. It's, yeah, you could play it on different devices, but Fortnite is the ecosystem. Fortnite is, you know, as long as you have something that supports Fortnite, that's it. That's that's all you need. It doesn't matter what console you have or whatever, you know. So it's really interesting to see that. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on this edition, you know, for not only helping cultivate the game, and its community long-term, but, you know, really towards the longevity of the franchise as a whole, you know, what do you think, do you think cross-play really is going to be a catalyst for, you know, improving those factors within Halo? I think, um, I'm obviously cross-play and everything has been discussed kind of since the inception of the idea of Halo Infinite. And whenever the delay was announced, you know, it was kind of discussed that, you know, there's, there's going to be crossplay with this game. Um, I think that using crossplay as a way to keep the community together is a really smart thing to do. Um, you know, you're talking about a community that's already kind of fractured, um, the competitive scene especially. There's your players that are playing Halo 3 and Halo 2 on PC, like myself. And then you have the HCS running tournaments on uh, console with Halo 5. and whenever you're looking at a community as a whole, that's, you know, as small as it is with Halo currently, Halo Infinite is going to likely draw some big fish. Uh, you're going to see streamers like Ninja play it. Streamers like Summit are probably are going to have already talked about playing it. You're going to have these mega huge streamers and you're going to have an opportunity to seize some momentum and really gain some traction when it comes in, in terms of players and letting people play with their buddies that have Xbox or PC is a huge step in the right direction in that. Now I'm disappointed as a, as a halo fan because, you know, again, this is the same conversation we were having last year. It's April, almost may it's almost may 1st. And we really haven't seen shit of the new halo. Um, since they announced the delay. So it's becoming increasingly concerned to me that they keep saying, Oh, we have this big 343 insider drop. Well, you know, not much is coming out about it. So I will take what I can get. I will take this news of crossplay and say it is a good idea. Mm -hmm. And it's not the first time we've seen a game be released with crossplay because Call of Duty has done it recently. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that this is the new norm in the industry. And I would like to see all games begin to go crossplay as far as sports games. So if you have NHL and you're playing with someone on Xbox, it, I would like it to work on PC also. Mm -hmm. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that as these consoles get closer and closer to gaming PCs mm -hmm. and the operating systems behave the exact or similarly. Mm -hmm. It makes the porting process a lot less difficult. So yeah. I think we're getting closer and closer to that. But these, this is like great that Call of Duty has done this. Now Halo's doing this. Um, you know, it, it's, it's great to see, and I'm super excited that this is going to come out day and date, like right off the release. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And I, I'm right there with you, you know? Yeah. It, it, I would have liked to see more actual gameplay footage and whatnot with this game. Um, especially considering, Hey, it's releasing this fall. Like, and this is a game that realistically has been in development for quite some time now. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, it's, 
it's definitely had its you know time to cook a little bit more and i'm not saying i want to see the full game or anything like that necessarily but i would like to see a little bit more of this game at this point um but at the same time too i'm not also you know if it means hey we're just working a little bit harder to make sure it's great okay cool whatever you know i'm not going to completely lose sleep over it but it would be nice to see a little bit more of this game um but i'm with you that having this right off the rip i think is really 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 important for halo um for a multitude of reasons but mostly being for the fact that it keeps your player base potentially a lot bigger than you would ever expect type of thing you know it's and and that's the thing that has i think and i would i figure you would agree that you know halo has had such a hard time really you know keeping up with the Joneses type of thing when it comes to evolving the franchise, but evolving in a way that kind of like what we talked about with Resident Evil, what makes those games so spectacular? Um, You know, it's just one of those things that to me, it's, it just doesn't really, you know, it doesn't seem to really, 343 seems at times too, you know, too interested in making, and, to a degree, rightfully so, their own Halo game. They're mm-hmm. more too. They're too. They're more worried about making. Hey, we want to make a three four three Halo game than saying we can do that. But we could also, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In some regard, you know, we can keep a lot of things that are great about this and also make our own Halo game. Um, and I think they finally started to kind of see that when it comes to you know, how MCC is being handled and different things within there, and you know, some of the community aspects that they're doing. And uh, granted. There's a lot of, you know, Halo veterans who, you know, are from the original Bungie staff who are still with 343, but there's a lot of obviously new people there, so it's hard to tell from a studio standpoint, you know, what's what. But I really think that having this day and date in terms of cross-play, cross-progression will mean a ton to keeping this franchise moving forward and being able to cultivate an actual tangible, you know, player base long-term, or at least have the potential to where you can pull from both sides. Now, let me ask you, Mike, you know, from, since you're more definitely, obviously more in tune with the competitive scene of Halo and playing it and whatnot, what does something like this do really, I guess, for that? Does it have the potential to really you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Ostracize or like, you know, potentially splinter a player base when it comes to competitive or how that could be handled. Like, what does that look like in a situation like this? Yeah, I think um, obviously you'd like to see kind of, you'd like to see everyone kind of play on an even playing field. And I will say that I am a little bit concerned that you're going to be playing at a severe disadvantage if you play on console versus mm-hmm. PC players. So if you were trying to, you know, take advantage of the cross play and compete at this point in time, you need to be, you should have already invested in a gaming PC mm-hmm. uh, because it is becoming increasingly difficult to get the parts as everyone knows. But, um, you know, realistically speaking, I don't know that this is going to splinter um, the community or anything, but I will say that, there is going to be a stark contrast between the people that play on PC versus console. Uh, it's going to be the functionality is going to be a lot different. And if you take it serious, you're going to want to be playing on PC. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to stop people from being able to play the competitive playlist and, and matchmaking and stuff from uh, from console, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool because you're, you are going to see a bigger player base that way. Um, but ultimately, what I would like to see and what I think is going to happen, because Call of Duty has already been doing this, uh, you're going to see Halo competitive be played on PC with controller, most likely, is what I would guess. So it's going to be like Call of Duty's competitive league right now, where everyone plays on computer because the functionality is the best, uh, the graphics are the best, it performs the best, but you're going to be locked to a con- uh, to a controller for input. Mm-hmm. I would think that's probably the way that they're going to go. Yeah, and that does make sense because then that does keep a level playing field for the most part, um, as much as you could see, I guess. Um, but I, I'm really curious to see how that kind of pans out, 
especially too with you've seen so long with you know HCS and stuff like that, but um, you know Halo, the com- competitive community kind of carry on and keep Halo. I don't want to say relevant, but you know keep pushing it on. But at the same time too, this is their big chance to really kind of you know make a statement and bring Halo back to the forefront of you know competitive gaming that. I'm sure I would be feeling, you know, obviously that they're going to be walking on thin ice a little bit or at least walking a little tighter, um, you know, as they're getting ready for what could potentially be Halo's last chance in the competitive, you know, landscape or really just, uh, unfortunately, as it sounds, relevancy. I mean, in gaming, that's that's the big thing that it's like how many people are talking about Halo compared to every other franchise out there. Um, You know, there's the diehards like us who you know, have been playing Halo forever and will always love Halo and, you know, take it for what it is and enjoy it. But, you know, so many game franchises, I think, have either evolved or moved past Halo um, over the years just because of how the cards have fell for Halo and, you know, how 343's handled the franchise and different things like that. But, you know, I don't think second chances don't come around very often. And this is really, I think, one of those rare ones that, they have a good chance of actually taking this and running with it. You know, they can, they could really open it up, especially considering free to play multiplayer, mm-hmm. um, being able to, like you said, or like we were talking about play, cross play, play, cross progression, carry that with you, making this a platform. Because I think that's what you're seeing with all these successful, either live service games, multiplayer games, whatever you want to call it they're all becoming more platforms than games themselves. Like I said, Fortnite is obvious is an obvious one being able to pretty much grab whatever device outside of what we're going to talk about next. But, um, you know, being able to pretty much grab whatever device and play this game, um, and play it with, you know, Hey, I have a, I have a mobile device and I'm sitting here playing it with somebody who is playing on a PC and also our other friend who's playing on an Xbox or a PS five or whatever, you know, it's, being able to pick up and play switch like so starting that with a franchise like this making it free to play making the barrier of entry low to get in and play the multiplayer portion of the game the game that or the portion that is going to carry the most weight moving forward and in terms of longevity it just it really really is going to be really interesting to see how this falls and see how the cards fall and everything like that. It's going to be something that is absolutely just paramount for them. If they want to succeed, they got to come out the gate just hot, right hot. And they're kind of, they're setting it up in a way that that is possible with like all this stuff that we're saying. Um, So I think it's going to be, I think they have a chance. Do you think they have a chance, Mike? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, like you were saying, I think this is kind of all setting up. This is another thing that, like, it shows Microsoft is making pretty solid decisions. Um, again, whether or not you support 343, or not necessarily support them, but trust them, I think that they're trying to make the best decisions possible for the franchise. And like you were saying before, it does feel like sometimes they get caught up in this, this like, need to create their own version of Halo. Um, and like I said, that I'm not an artist um, in certain aspects like this, so I don't know what that feeling is like. But I do feel like they are. This is a decision that they have Halo's community and the franchise in their bet. They, this is what they think is best. And I, I guess that's kind of weird to say because obviously it, it's kind of obvious that that would be the case. That you would think that they would have that in the in the best interest because it seems like they would make every decision with that in mind but i truly believe that they are you know trying to attempt to get back to their roots a little bit with this just because um you know with them kind of delaying the game after it getting nuked in reviews by the views or by like the franchise or by the um demo that we saw and everything i think they are trying to make the best decisions for this game i i do agree i think that we're seeing them provide really a how do I want to put it? Like you were saying, they're really providing, I think, the fans' best interest at, at what they're making with their choices. And really, I think from the get-go, since we... I, they were very upfront and cognitive of 
the reviews and the negative feedback they got on Halo 5 and not only the campaign, but, you know, some of the competitive aspects as well with multiplayer. You know, it really seemed like they took that to heart going into Halo Infinite in 20, you know, when it first was revealed in 2018, obviously working on it leading up to that over, you know, a few years before that. But if you look at really, you know, how they were take how they kind of took that. And I, I definitely feel like there was pressure to get this game out, obviously, with the launch of the Series X. Obviously, COVID hits hard and whatnot, you know, but, you know, it, it, it definitely, I think everything involving this is going to be a blessing in disguise because they've now been given really the keys to the kingdom in terms of this is your chance you're able to bring Halo back or at least have the opportunity to put it in a good place that can build off of. Don't screw it up. <laughs> like they haven't had a chance like this for a while. So I'm really excited to see where we go from, you know, from here with Halo and just everything with it in the franchise in general. So Mike, let's head into our last news article for this week. And shocker, we're talking about Fortnite and Epic and Apple. God, I, I just wouldn't. You know, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> so Fortnite isn't on Microsoft's X, or Xbox cloud gaming service because Epic won't allow it. This comes from Tom Warren over on The Verge as always. Link in the description. Epic Games is holding back Fortnite from become or being available on Microsoft's Xbox Cloud Gaming or xCloud service, according to a new de deposition made public as part of the Epic case against Apple. The Fortnite developer views Microsoft's xCloud uh, X service as competition to its PC offering, and the company is deliberately not offering Fortnite on xCloud as well as a result. Joe Kreiner, Epic's Vice President of Business Development, was questioned on why Fortnite isn't available on xCloud and confirmed it was a deliberate choice. Quote, we viewed Microsoft's efforts with xCloud to be, a competitive, to be competitive with our PC offerings, says Kreiner in, in, in the deposition. Uh, the court document makes it appear like Kreiner may go on to explain why, but the next part of the questioning has been redacted. Fortnite is a free-to-play game on Xbox, and the only way to currently access the game on an iPhone is through NVIDIA's GeForce Now cloud gaming service. Epic Games partnered with NVIDIA last year to launch Fortnite on Get, uh, GeForce Now and has helped NVIDIA offer a number of other games uh from its PC game store on NVIDIA Cloud Gaming Service, where all the revenue from the original game's purchase or any in-app purchases goes back to Epic rather than NVIDIA. As far as Epic is concerned, the game is simply running on a PC. That is likely a key reason why Epic has favored NVIDIA over Microsoft to host Fortnite in the cloud. Microsoft doesn't currently allow rival game stores on Xbox or xCloud in any form, and all transactions go through Microsoft there. In fact, Kreiner even admits that Epic Games hasn't tried to negotiate with Microsoft over the requirements to have the use uh, to use the Xbox Maker's store and commerce engine. Epic's entire case against Apple is centered on the App Store, and the company believes Apple should allow uh, rival app stores on iOS devices or rival payment processing platforms. Epic is trying to fight Apple's App Store policies, a 30%, 15% for some, cut for subscriptions and in-app purchases, and the removal of Fortnite from the App Store. Kreiner's questioning is part of the ongoing lawsuit, and it's a huge case that's already shining a light on the practices throughout the mobile and game industry that result in consumers being able to access games and apps across devices beyond just the iPhone. So I feel like this whole feud, because now they're bringing Microsoft into the fold and really kind of throwing shade at Microsoft too and you know how they approach stuff, which to be honest, I mean... If you ask me, Microsoft, I feel, is much more aligned in their approach to gaming right now with platforms and, you know, not necessarily annexing devices and whatnot is more in line with what Epic's saying theirs is as well. So that kind of surprised me compared to at least, you know, Apple and Sony and the other platforms that they're usually, you know, on. But, you know, I feel this feuding between all these entities will probably never end at this point. You know, each one feels like they're in the right and the other is wrong. And especially with Epic acting like, Hey, we're this underdog. We're, 
you know, fighting from behind. We're, we're the small fish in the big pond, yada, yada. And we don't want to take it anymore and this and that. Let's be real though. Money always talks, which I'm sure is the answer to this question. But at what point does this just end? And all entities and all sides, you know, Apple and Epic and whatnot, they both end up supporting each other financially. Like in what world do we see Fortnite back on Apple devices or, you know, on xCloud or whatever without the need of geforce now or whatever man i'll be honest i don't i'm not sure it's this is getting like almost to bizarre like bizarro world status at this point it's just getting so crazy (laughs) it just doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon either but you know i can kind of understand epic Epic kind of shutting down Fortnite going on Microsoft's Xbox Cloud Gaming Service mm-hmm. to a certain extent because they do have a Fortnite app on on mobile. So you should just download the Fortnite app if you want to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily in agreement with it. It does seem a little strange, but yeah. nevertheless, um, you know, I see this as something that like. I, I don't know when this ends because right now the epic game service is kind of you know competing with steam and i and you know as we talked about recently i don't think it's necessarily going as well as they thought it was going to Mm -hmm. um i know steam is still doing very well compared to epic and you know that's obviously disappointing for epic because they wanted to kind of make a make a name for themselves in that realm of the world you know distributing games online Mm -hmm. but whenever they're struggling to compete with steam like this you can't afford to give up ground anywhere is what i think their business model is at this point like they're afraid to give up um ground across anything because they are losing so much money in this one department Mm -hmm. to me i don't know the real reason why they would not let xcloud stream fortnite unless they wanted people to utilize not only utilize their 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 application and purchase things through their app i wouldn't be surprised if microsoft was like yeah you know if they if they purchase content through xcloud even if it's for fortnite you have to give us a cut mm-hmm. and epic isn't down to do that um i i don't know you know i know they're fighting with apple about the cut you know, right now. And I'm sure that's kind of what Microsoft wanted to do also. And they didn't want to put up with it with Microsoft either. So to me, it's just, it, it is pretty insane. Um, I don't know if Fortnite ever comes back to Apple devices, unfortunately for, for people, because it, it feels like right now the two are so far apart and it's just a huge pissing contest. And unfortunately for Epic, I think Apple has, a shit ton more money yeah. but i i don't you know i don't i don't know that there's really a winner to be honest between the two it's gonna be really complicated and a struggle regardless of of what ends up happening i, I don't think there's any winners to this because the real losers at the end of the day are individuals with the iphones and apple products that just want to play fortnite right like they're the only ones that are suffering through this right you know, exactly at, Epic's not struggling. Apple's not struggling. It's the consumer at this point in time. No, I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's only we're the only ones or whoever, you know, plays Fortnite is the ones who lose out on this. I mean, it's not at some point it's going to be one of those things where it's like, listen, either keep throwing shit at each other for decades or you both make a ton of money and, you know, work together and make it happen. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just, to me, it's very, it's very odd that this has gone on this long. I mean, I, I think the whole, I mean, realistically, the whole thing behind, you know, the whole, how do I want to say this? The whole process, I think, is a little ridiculous to begin with. But at the same time, I mean, I can understand some aspects of it and, you know, I just feel like they're they're fighting a useless war at this point because they're both, you know, billion dollar companies and they're both making stupid amounts of money. And it it, it just it doesn't make any business sense right now Mm -hmm. to have them do all of this, because at the end of the day, like you said, we're the only ones who lose and they're outside of them losing money. I mean, they're not going to be able to 
the amount of money that they could have from this is, I mean, ridiculous. They just keep not wanting it. I, I, I don't get it. Like, you could keep having tons of money. It just, you know, you have to play nice with each other. You know, I, I just don't. I get it. Epic wants to make more money, and they probably should because, you know, they're, when their game is on that platform, it is fucking through the roof. But it, it just, it's something else, man. I'm really, really, I, I, I'm just so indifferent on this whole situation with them that it just, at this point, I don't care who wins, who loses, whatever, just fucking wrap it up. <laughs> right, just get it over with. Right, We're, we're done hearing about it. Uh, you two monsters in the industry can quit having this dumb pit pissing contest just get it over with already so we can start playing it on whatever we want to play it on right exactly and that's how i feel about it as well so mike send the party chat for this week if you're new to the show party chat is where we propose one question at the end of each week at the end of the show that we want to discuss could be as simple as what's your favorite story beat in the game or what have you been playing during quarantine or you know what's you know more in-depth questions like, you know, does why is the negative stigma around gaming still exist? Stuff like that. And after answering questions ourselves, or answering the questions ourselves, we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the questions over on our Twitter, at GPGC Podcast, and we'll read some of the responses the following week. Last week's question, in terms of conversations around platforms by the end of 2021, will we be talking more about third-party titles or first-party exclusive titles being played on our Xboxes? An open lyric tweet us, First party, if Halo Infinite at least meets some of its expectations. Totally agree. This week's question, Mike, do you think Microsoft is too focused on studio acquisitions over growing new studios internally? I, I suppose, but this question is one where it's like, why break something up um, if you can get the whole thing at once? Like, why would you just start getting out the Bethesda development studio just to build your own internal um, studio, if, if that makes any sense? I just don't see a very good reason or excuse to just completely start crushing, you know, a studio just to skin it out and get other parts. Mm -hmm. I would say, like, obviously, if you have the money, acquiring a whole studio at once keeps a group of people together that want to work together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I see both sides of it where one, I would love to see more internal studios, you know, be founded. I'd love to see, you know, Microsoft give money towards bringing in, you know, saying, Hey, we have a certain vision of what we want to do with, yeah, we have a certain vision on what we want to do in gaming, and we think, you know, making a studio around that will really bolster that, you know, those ideas and whatnot. At the same time, you know, and being able to, I should say, being able to bring in, you know, from networking and whatnot, specific individuals that you think fill those needs and whatnot, like, to me, that that is a good thing, and I want to see that more, and I want to see that, you know, taken off, but... I do agree with you saying, though, that, hey, it keeps commodity together. It keeps it, you know, it, it keeps the momentum and it keeps the synergy between these teams together instead of trying to find that magic, you know, pull that rabbit out of the hat or, you know, let lightning strike type of thing with getting all of these people together to see if it makes something happen where you could have some you could have a team like Bethesda Game Studios or an arcane or somebody like that who has proven time and time again and have has a team and has a mindset for that team when they bring new people in of where they want to fit already. And that's already established. And you could pay for that to get that under your fold. You know, I don't blame them for doing that. So I tend to side more on that, but at the same time, I still, there's part of me who would like to see more homegrown Microsoft, you know, properties come from these homegrown studios. Um, but at the same time, you know me, I'm a Bethesda diehard. I love Bethesda games, both published ones and developed ones. Um, you know, so I don't I don't see the problem with it necessarily at the same time. Like it's it may if it makes business sense and it makes sense, you know, for creating games, then why not? Who the hell cares? So Mike, I think that's gonna do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you 
on the interwebs. Talk about all the stuff we talked about, whether it be Halo Infinite, talking about Resident Evil stuff as always, talking about Game Pass, talking about all the nerdy stuff we talk about. Where can people find you online to talk about that? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, but the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Awesome, awesome. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus, on most internet platforms, including Twitter at Travelus underscore. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter, and want to play some video games with me you can do so over on xbox live at just regular old travelers that's t-r-a-v-l-e-s-s no underscore and this ladies and gentlemen has been your newest episode of the game pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things xbox xbox game pass and pc gaming including news rumors and conversation around them damn good video games you can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast at, whatever I tell you every week, you know it. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways. With that being said, Mike, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.